Yo, yo, what up, what up? Welcome to the WTF Should I Do With My Life podcast. I am your host, life coach, soul sibling, Jacob Sokol, and I am honored that you are rocking with us today, at least for the first 15 or 20 seconds. And if you decide to continue on today's journey, well, then so be it. Let's do this. Today, we've got the one and only Dave Buddha joining us on the show. Dave grew up on the East Coast hustling. I can relate to that. And uh, now he's a weird Californian. Cannot relate to that, but I've seen a few of those in my days. And uh, Dave's just a badass dude. He's an unconventional thinker, a questioner of the status quo. Uh, Anytime I interact with Dave or Dave's work, I always end up viewing things just a little bit differently afterwards. So I am stoked that my man Dave Buddha, Dave Buddha, what up Buddha, kicking it with us today. Let's do this. And um, and in today's episode, we jump into uh, a bunch of different things that were somewhat unexpected. I initially didn't think that our interview would be primarily about relationships, but as is with life, you've got a plan and the good old God laughs at it. So we started the interview, we were going in one direction, and uh, and we actually went pretty deep into um, some uncommon perspectives on relationships. So what you can expect to learn in today's podcast is, amongst other things, how to question and test your assumptions so that you can have a more exciting life. How thinking about the end of your relationship, the death of your relationship, can actually make it new again. And why the measure of a successful relationship is not till death do us part. Okay, we're going to jump into all that, plus a whole lot more. Thanks for rocking with us today. With no further ado, here we go. Dave, thanks so much for joining us. Dude, I'm so happy to be here. Right. It's going to be talking to you across the coast. Yeah, right on, man. Well, when I was looking at who I could bring to the podcast to shake up people's worlds and kind of mess with their minds a bit, uh, you were the one of the top <laughs> gentlemen who came to mind. Um, so I'm, I'm stoked to have you here. And I guess a question that, that um, I think will help set the tone is, you do a lot of different things in the world, or you've done a lot of different things as far as work and just where you focus your attention. What would you say the essence of what you do is, whether that's through your writing or your coaching or whatever else you're you're kind of bringing out into the world? You know, um, it's a good question. Um, I, I just read this uh, Nietzsche quote yesterday that that really resonated with me, and I, I think it's it's it resonated because it kind of explained what I'm up to in a sense um and it's he said every era faces particular psychological challenges and it's the task of the philosopher uh, to identify and help solve those and so i guess i see it as like you know i i love i love a lot of the um ancient wisdom and that kind of stuff but i want to bring it i want to bring it in a way um like i want to solve the problems of today you know uh, whether it's like us feeling lonely and not having community or us, you know, having these relationships, but, but not really having any idea how to be happy in them or have to be better than our other past generations or whether it's, you know, how do we, how do we find joy and happiness in the work we do without feeling like we're selling ourselves out or like, I like to just look at like what's going on today and, and, and address those problems and, um, so I guess it's looked at, it's looked, it's looked like writing and, 
you know, podcasting and, and, and different areas. But, um, I'd say it's like, it's, I want to solve the problems of today. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I get a lot of juice from that. Also, when I initially created the WTS should I do with my life uh, title, that's where it came from. It was like, there's all this great wisdom out there, but how does it apply to the specific challenges of of today? Because it's, yeah. di- it's a different roadmap than our parents had, you know, uh, or what success meant 40 or 50 years ago. Yeah. Oh, it's totally different. In a way, actually, this podcast probably wouldn't be even relevant 50 to 100 to 200 years ago. I mean, nobody was asking these questions, what the fuck should I do with my life? They were just, they would like, they already knew what their life was about. It's like, no, my dad was a carpenter. I'm going to be a carpenter. I'm going to live in the same town. I'm going to raise kids and then they're going to go to this, you know, school and then we're going to visit the grandparents. And it was really simple. Um, you know, and it's like, we have such a responsibility to actually rethink what kind of life we want to have right now. But we're not used to doing that. Like we didn't for hundreds of years, thousands of years. We just it was life was just easy. You know, it may not have been it may have been, it may have been hard, but it was I guess it was simple. Mm. You know, and um, I actually heard uh, I heard Drew Carey say this when uh, I was in the navy. When I was in the navy, I took my I took my division um, to the Price is Right up in L.A. And you know, we all wore our uniforms and stuff like that. And Drew Carey's just really funny and was talking in between the the tapings and. You know, just joking around with people, and and of course, it, most people are there on vacation. So he's asking people, you know, where are they from, and blah blah blah. And then he kind of just like dropped this like nugget of wisdom just randomly. And I don't I don't know if most people caught it, but he was just like, you know, it's funny. Most people spend more times planning their vacations than they do planning their life. Mm. And I was like, wow, that's true. I mean, we do we really spend time like planning our life? I mean, because most of us, we just assume it's just a given what our life's going to be because that's how it's always been. But it's, it's like that reality is changing so fast. You know, even, even like 30 years ago, there was less planning needed or less thought put into, there was just so many, there was less, less choices in a way. Mm. And so it's amazing. Yeah. So, so for the person who's listening, who's like, Dave, that fucking quote is bomb as shit. I love it. And, <laughs> and, and now what do I do? So, so where would you nudge someone to, to take that quote, plan my life, and, um, and really bring some more conscious thought to it? Huh, how do I plan my life? You know, I, I guess when I, look at, when I look at my life, I don't, I don't know that I've really – like put, you know, on my calendar, like, okay, like plan life today, you know, like four hours, eight to noon or something. Um, I've just, I think the thing that if anything has worked for me, you know, and, and certainly, uh, you know, I have so many days where I look in my life and I'm like, wow, this is not working and I'm <laughs> totally crazy. And, um, you know, I should just, I should just, you know, try to fit in a little more or something. But, um, if there's anything that's worked for me, it's, it's trying to think outside the box and living outside the box. And like a little mini example of that was, I remember back in um, like elementary school, high school, middle school, those schools, um, when we would change, change classes, we'd go through and there were these double doors. And sometimes, you know, and the double doors opened one way at the school for whatever reason. So sometimes there would be uh, people going and the door would open toward them and because it was, there was like a crowd of people at once, a lot of times there'd be like a bottleneck at one of the doors. And then the other door wasn't open because it was opening inward and nobody bothered to open it. And 
I was always the guy who would come along and open another door. It was just, I don't know. It was like, and I got so much pride out of that. I was like, I was like, wow, like this people just, I don't know why, but they just don't seem to care about this or, uh, but I, I never understood why people don't, don't step back and go, okay, like there's a bottleneck. We're not moving. We're waiting for like two people to fit through the door at once. Why don't we open the other door? Um, and it's always been like that. And I, and I went to, you know, I went to, I went to school at the Naval Academy and, and there were all these, you know, these, these traditions and rules that, that, you know, I, I was able to question and, and, and just live differently. And so I, I just, I don't know. I, I've, I've just to, to sometimes to the detriment of my mental health, I've just tried to question everything, <laughs> you know, it really does. I mean, it drives me crazy sometimes. And, you know, even in relationships, it was difficult because I would kind of, I'd be skeptical of, <laughs> of the women I was dating and, you know, but that's, that's been what my life has been about. It's just like questioning everything mm. and, and seeing how following the crowd is works. You know, if you're going to a concert and you're, you know, Oh, well, everybody's going this way. That, that's probably where the concert is. But you know, a lot of times in life, it's like following the crowd is, is a terrible idea. I mean, yeah. terrible idea, you well, know? Well, when I look at some of the people who are most innovative and or most inspiring, if you look at, let's say, like the Elon Musk's, what he's doing is he's questioning assumptions and he's saying, okay, so just because things have always worked this way doesn't necessarily mean that this is the best way that things work. And so there's a layer deeper, let's say, that he's going, talking about going to Mars and colonizing Mars. Mm -hmm. You know, he looked at the the raw cost for what it took to build a rocket ship, and it realized it cost about 2% of what rocket ships were actually being sold for, or that cost. Mm -hmm. And and this yeah. was, you know, his major breakthrough for, or one of the major breakthroughs for being able to do that. Or if you look at like a Tim Ferriss, too, he's doing the same thing. He's kind of quite questioning the assumptions about the way life is. And, and I see you doing that a lot in your work and in the way that, that you're living. For someone, and, and dude, I'm inspired as fuck to do that. Like I do it and it's also like, oh, I love doing even more of that. But it can feel yeah. really challenging. Yeah. Um, what, what advice? I know you, why it's challenging. Well, well tell us that. But then yeah. also give us whatever advice you would have for someone who's listening who's like, I want to do more of that. What would be a way that they could go about playing with that more? Yeah, I... You know, I, I think we need to acknowledge that the reason that we don't want to break away from that is because we have we have a built-in need to belong. Like we have a built-in desire to be part of a group, to be accepted by a group, to not be exiled, to not be kicked out. And and it's totally okay, it's totally normal because we were we were we grew up in tribes, we grew up in in places where if you know, we grew up as in like a human species. You know, we had opportunities. If we if we didn't um, if we didn't fit in, you know, then we would get kicked out and we would die of hunger. And and to some extent, we're all still operating in, in a way that we're we're honoring that part of us that feels like if it doesn't belong, it, it will die. And so, I, I like and I I like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Because he talks about this, he says, you know, we have this, we have a need to belong. It's right, it's above the need for like security and safety and some of the more basic needs, but it's below the need for like self-expression and creativity. And so, if you can't really get past the need to belong to a group, the need to to like be accepted um, by others, then you're not going to really be able to fully realize yourself in the higher 
realms, you know, of like self-expression and, and self-confidence, self-esteem, that kind of stuff. And, and so, and I, I don't know, I mean, and, you know, there's some days, I mean, I, I just realized this for myself. I was at a party like three or four days ago and I saw myself, um, I saw myself just, just change who I was because I felt really insecure. I felt like, um, I was feeling like a little high school kid, like nobody, nobody liked me. I was so awkward. And I, mm. and I, and I saw that, I mean, I, so some days I, I just, I lose that battle. I mean, I don't, I don't really express myself and the way I, who I am, but on the good days, I, I really can like wake up to the fact that I am, I'm just totally loved and supported for however I want to be. Maybe not by a hundred percent of the world, maybe not by my family all the time, maybe not by my friends in the Navy, you know, different groups have different, fill in different gaps, but like I just have, I have nothing to worry about. I'm not going to get killed for my beliefs, you know, although, you know, I might get some hate mail, you know, but I, I can post whatever I want online for people and, and, and it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, and I just think like really getting that, really getting that, like you're, you're going to be okay. And wh- whoever you want to be, you know, you move to San Francisco, somebody will like, there's a group for that, you know, <laughs> uh, even in New York probably too. Like there's a group for that. There's a go to meetup.com. Like there's, there's a group of people that, that say, Hey man, we know what it's like to be you yeah. and come on over to our, you know, vegan buffet and we'll just both chill together, you know, because, because it's hard out there when you don't have a family, you know, and this is a, cho- this is an opportunity to choose your family. And, um, you know, you just got to have, you got to have a community. You got to have people that, that, that support you for who you want to be. And, and it's, it's what you're doing with the sense of community. I mean, you're getting people that come together because of a common purpose. Like, Hey, we want to, we want to live a life that's, that's more, that's, that's just more than what we were given more than just kind of the norm yeah. and, and we support each other. And, and, and so like these communities, I just think are absolutely essential without it. You just can't go it alone. It's, it's, your your need to belong, your need to be accepted and loved, will overcome your need, your desire to be creative and self-expressed. Mm. So, part of questioning assumptions, it seems like, is one realizing that you're going to be all right no matter what. Even if you go bankrupt, even if whatever, whatever, like you're still going to be okay. And then number two is to say, all right, well. When doing this, it's vital to have a sense of community. It's vital to have a sense of belonging no matter what so that I know when I go out there and, and fall on my face and try shit that um, that at the end of the day, you know, I'll still have that sense of connection and, and wholeness, um, you know, or feeling of wholeness through connection, et cetera, et cetera. Um, talk, to me, t- talk to me about still for the people who are listening – um, what else can we do to, to question assumptions and uh, and to do more of that type of thinking in our life and break out of the norm? Um, well, you know, it's a little bit a little bit cheesy, but I like the I like the magic happens outside your comfort zone um, expression. And um, I was I don't know if I'll still write this, but I have a little ebook that I started called uh, um, 101 Ways to Get Out of Your Comfort Zone." And, uh, I just started writing down the things that, that I've done in my life or that, um, that I thought would be really, uh, amazing. You know, I mean, I went to, 
I went to a sex party a couple nights ago, and that's when I first started doing that. That was out of my comfort zone, you know. Um, my partner and I are not monogamous, and when I first started doing that, that was very out of my comfort zone. And now I'm in a place where I I wouldn't want to go back to to an old model for me, and that's just me personally, you know, because I because I discovered that that was something that I wanted to incorporate in my life. Sometimes I go out to and do things outside my comfort zone and then I go, nah, that's not really for me. You know, uh, I'm good. Um, and so I, I just, I think we got to live dangerously. You know, mm-hmm. if we really, like if we're, and it, it, it's never like, I love this, you know, I, I, I love the, um, I love the, I love the raw rawness around living dangerously. But like when you actually get there, it there's, there's it's really it does suck like that's the point <laughs> you know <laughs> like i have i i teach um you know the guitar and voice and i, I work with some like singer songwriters and stuff like that and and i i love i love pushing them outside their their comfort zone i try not to, i try to keep it inside the uh, inside the panic zone so I, I there's like i draw like three circles on my board and i say okay this comfort zone learning zone and panic zone so we don't we don't have to go to your panic zone you know, but if but if you going and playing an open mic scares you a little bit, like I really want you to go do that. Now I'm not going to put you on stage, you know, in front of a crowd of 600 people at a sold out show, but um, but I could do that. <laughs> so you let me know if you're ready. Yeah. Um. But I really I just want us to go and and discover that life isn't as scary as we think it is. So so let me talk to you a little bit about relationships. You you brought that up, and. When I look at the work that you do or just your approach for living, I often see that it's uncommon. You're you're taking a a different stance or a different approach to things that many of us view as just the way they are. So what about your relationship might be considered uncommon or or unorthodox? Well, definitely definitely not being monogamous, which is something... Growing up, I didn't know that there was options out there. I met, I think, I met my first person who was not monogamous uh, in, in person. I met them like five years ago. It was kind of relatively recently in my life, and um, you know, I, I guess. Well, first of all, it came through. It came through community. It came because I live in a in a place and and among people who are doing new things. You know, pushing the bounds of what we think is possible and. Um, you know, even right now I'm, I'm in a community of people that have practiced non-monogamy for 20, 30, sometimes even 40 years. There was a couple there, you know, at the party there night who's, they've been doing it for 40 years. That's crazy. Um, and I guess, I guess for me, it's just like, I couldn't, I couldn't reason with the fact that, that if I didn't, if I didn't explore this territory, it was only because I was afraid. Like there wasn't some like, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't say that there was some, you know, moral uh, standard that I had to follow, and that it was like it was just, you know, monogamy was just the right way, and that you know, being open was was not. I just couldn't, I couldn't justify the fact that that this was available for me, but only was, but fear was in the way. And, and then I saw for myself too that I've, I've kind of, I've always operated under those, like when I would when I was dating you know, before I was in this relationship and doing sort of more official open relationship stuff, you know, if I was dating a girl and she was bisexual, I, I would say, Hey, um, I'm totally, I want to totally encourage you to, to go on dates with women. And if that, you know, I, that's totally cool. I mean, that's 
polyamory. It's, it's, it's just, you know, it's, and so I've always been kind of interested in just like what, what would happen if we weren't so afraid of, of, weren't so afraid of breaking up, weren't so afraid of um, not feeling special, weren't so afraid of anything in these relationships. And, and, and then once we uh, get that compass heading, then we can move slowly and, and, and with kindness, you know, we don't have to trample our person or friend or partner's ego with, but, you know, just slowly and saying, okay, well, what if this is possible? Like, what if we actually did this? Would that be fun? Mm. Fun and, and terrifying simultaneously. Totally terrifying. Yeah. I mean, and when we opened up, it was, uh, it was very difficult for the first couple months, you know, my, my wife, Paula uh, fell in love with another guy and he had no, uh, experience and we had no experience and we didn't know what we were doing. And, and you know, that when you don't have a lot of experience in open relating, you're naturally possessive. That's what I found. Um, and so he was very possessive. I didn't know how to express my feelings about anything. I was just like getting angry and blaming everybody. And Jesus. it was just, it was tough, you know? And, and we really like, we had maybe a two month period of like, it was, it was really tough. Like I, I couldn't do anything else in my life, but like process this. Wow. Um, it was also very exciting, you know, like there were, it was, uh, you know, um, but it, it was hard and, and fortunately I had so much support. I mean, I had so much support. Um, I'm, I really feel like the luckiest guy in the world when it comes to being supported in the relationship, especially open relating world. I mean, I have people that I could just call that are like the best in the world, um, that would just sit and listen to me on the phone for an hour if I needed them. Um, and so that's, that was really nice. Um, but, uh, I gotta say, yeah, where we are now, man, it's, it's just amazing. I, um, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll share this just because it's, it's weird and outlandish, not because I'm like trying to brag, but like, you know, the, the other night I, I brag away, dude. had like a, you know, like really, really hot make out and more sessions with like maybe five different women, uh, you know, and my partner was super excited about it the whole time. And she was, she mostly was playing with women that night, but that's, she plays with men too. And she was, you know, just loving it and having a great time. And we just like, we, we left together so juiced up and just happy. And, you know, it was like, and all these people there are people we trust and love. Like these are our friends, you know, this isn't, these aren't some like weirdos that we go and like never call again. I mean, these are people that we like really love and, 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 and care about. And so, um, I, that's, I think that's like, that's the green pastures, like beyond the Rocky mountains sometimes, you know, it's like this, it's really possible to, to do this. Um, and, uh, and, and it takes, you know, it takes the hard work and it also takes the, the community for sure. Mm. The people, right. People, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So share with us something else that, might also be uncommon about your relationship or the way that you do relationships. Po- polyamory was kind of like the easy, like, of course that's different, but but <laughs> may- maybe there's something else that's just a little bit less flashy, but also like, you know what, we kind of do this thing different that, that most people don't do that way or I don't see it that common. Um, let's see. You know, one of the things that I, that has been true for us since the beginning is we really like talking about death. And what I mean by that is not just the death of us as people, like us dying, but the death of the relationship, the the death of this weekend experience that we've been having. Like we like sort of playing with the the end of things. And 
even on our wedding rings, um, on the ins- there's an inscription on the inside of them. Paula's actually it's on the outside, but it says, it says this will also change. And it's actually we 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 it, we took it from um, one of the teachings in the Vipassana ten day meditation course, and in the in the videos that that they play each night, it's a lecture by this by this guy Goenka who started it all uh, recently, anyways. And he told a story about these um, these two brothers who were um, going through like their dad's attic or something and, and found these two rings and one of the rings was like really really flashy and you know and then the other ring was like pretty humble and it just had this inscription that says this will also change and one of the brothers put on the flashy ring and then you know was materialistic and was miserable and the other brother put on the, the humble <laughs> spiritual ring and uh and and you know lived a, a life according to that principle and was and was really happy because he allowed change um and I'd say that, you know, when I, I guess that's kind of when I look at that inscription in the ring I, I, and, I, and I remember uh, what it's like to be normal, <laughs> I think that's pretty weird. You know, I'm like, wow, this will also change. Isn't that kind of the point of getting married is like you're not changing and it's like the solidity and, the, you know, we're going to stay together no matter what. And it's like, well, um, maybe not. Um, I don't really know that. I mean, Paula was married and, and her she was married with she would consider love for life and and her husband died suddenly in a car accident she was 23 mm-hmm. uh, it changed everything for her um totally rocked her world and and she brought that wisdom to our relationship that there's no guarantees i mean there really isn't um and i i don't want to forget that because it's it's such a gift and you know, and, and we almost, I mean, we almost really like, we almost broke up like two weeks ago. Um, it was like a, yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah. We were in Italy and, um, she was, uh, we were talking about having kids. Well, we've been kind of discussing the idea of kids for the last like three or four months. And it's mostly been like Paolo being really excited about kids and then me being like, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, it's like yeah. our friends would post something on Facebook and she'd be like, look at this. And I'd be like, don't look at that. I don't, yeah. Uh, I know yeah. that dynamic very well. <laughs> so, <laughs> So, and I, we had never really gotten clear for ourselves, like, <laughs> do I want kids? Do I definitely not want kids? It, w- it was kind of up in the air. And, and so I really got clear for myself because I, I, I really saw this decision point coming. I was like, oh, this is important. I got to figure this out. And so I was like, oh, you know, I, I, I really don't want kids. Like I, I really, I looked at this and I've, I've, I've made the best decision I can and, and, and I really can say that at this point in my life, I, I'm, I would like to go my entire life without having kids. And, and for her, the truth at that moment, because when I met, she actually didn't want to have kids. She was like, yeah, whatever. And, but her truth in that moment was, I actually really want to have kids. Uh, I feel like it's sort of my, like, a life, like a life purpose almost. It's very, it's very deep in me. And, um, you know, so in the next couple of days, we really processed like what, you know, the end of the relationship we were, um, and it wasn't, we weren't angry at each other. We were just like, okay, well, if this is true, like I, I do want you to fulfill this for yourself. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'll help you find a guy and it will just stay friend. We'll stay best friends. And then, you know, her and I do a lot of work together. We, we run workshops and events and stuff like that. So we were, we would still work together but we would transition our relationship. And, and so we really talked about that very seriously for a couple of days. And, um, and then it, through some other processing, she sort of discovered for herself that wanting to have kids was kind of also a, a need that she could 
get filled through the relationship or it was like she was she was wanting that because of what it would give her and i'm not totally clear on her process around that but but i know that after like a week or so we're still uh, together she yeah she did she felt and i and i believed it when she said it when she first said it i was like i don't know about that i think you're it sounds like you really want kids like are you sure and she's like no and i i really actually i feel good about because it's um i was wanting that but i was wanting the like the the intimacy that would be created as a family for us or you know other other things i can't really speak for honestly but um so anyways we're still together (laughs) but but we really like we really talked about it and then and god man there was so much i mean it, it was we have a word we made up called love sad which is is when you have this feeling and it's so it's such a rich deep feeling and it it kind of feels like love, but it's kind of also sadness. Yeah, you know, it's like if you're, it's like you're, if like someone close to you dies, like you can't help but notice that there's so much love in that sadness. And when we were processing the end of this relationship and and really considering it, and like, man, I mean, I really like, I sat in a hotel room and just cried for like half the day, and it was so rich. And looking back now, I can say that. You know, at the time, I was like, oh, this sucks, uh, but. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was so like, it was just so rich, and and I think that's what we want in life. Like that's life, man. Like we we I, we could have avoided that somehow, or but I'm I'm pretty sure that that's that's like the those are the peak experiences in our life. That's the stuff we want. We want to feel that deeply, and so we were able to do that in that moment because we were willing to actually let something end if it needed to end. And here we are now. You know, a couple weeks later having re like birthed something new because yeah. that got to die, you know? And so that was, that's kind of what I've been through lately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting how that, that death and rebirth takes place in the relationship also the same way it does in life. And totally. oftentimes so much suffering is caused for us because we're trying to hold on to what we know, trying to hold on to certainty because there's some sense of safety in there that we, that we think or feel. And, um, and the suffering is caused by that attachment to what's here. But by being willing to let go of it, we can make way for the next iteration of whatever, whatever's true for us or whatever is, uh, is, is next up. And so that it's cool to see that in relationship too. that happens for me and Nadia where, will go through a major breakdown and then from that place it it births the next chapter the next iteration of our relationship and sometimes that's just for a week and it's like ah now we're fighting again right and then it's like poof and then okay now it's for a month or whatever it is yeah Um, i i heard some really good advice that i wish i had heard earlier and it kind of reframed this whole thing because i used to think like i used to see couples that would do that and i'm sure there's unhealthy ways to like fight and make up and all that stuff but but I used to see couples that would go through these cycles and I would judge it and I'd be like, well, that, they're probably not right for each other. You know, the couples that are right for each other don't do that, you know. And, and I, my friend Reed Mahalko, who's an incredible sex educator, just relationship guru, um, and he actually comes and teaches at Intimacy Fest the whole weekend and, and we just absolutely love him. He said something that um, it just, just, it's just so true and he said, you know, um, he said, I don't think we really have a good measure for how happy relationships are today. You know, longevity is not a measure, really. You know, we, 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 somehow we think that, but it's not. He said, but if there is one metric that seems to correlate to how the quality of relationships, it's the amount of times a couple is willing to come to the table and have a conversation that puts 
the future of the relationship at risk. And I was like, wow. I mean, that's what a, what a metric. I mean, that, if that's, that, that, that seems true in, in my life. It seems true in, in the lives of people that I know. And, um, and it's certainly pretty bold. So, so like, help us unpack what that means. Yeah. So, you know, when you can, so when, when I can come to the table with my partner and let's say something is kind of stuck, you know, something isn't working and on some level and it not, not, and this isn't like a threat, but on some level I'm, I'm, I'm coming with the mindset of, I want this, this relationship to be amazing. I want it to really like, I want it to be fulfilling. I want it to be incredible or I'm okay with it ending. Like I, I'm, and again, it's, it, it, that can be, I think people could hear that and think that you could use that as a tool to like beat your partner up or it could be cruel and I'm sure it could be. Um, but there's a kind of like fearlessness that, that says, Hey, um, I'm, I just, this has to be, this has to be incredible or there's no reason for us to do it. And I'm willing to let the pieces that aren't incredible die. Um, and, and, and I don't really know. I, I mean, me, for me, I don't really know what the future of my relationship is going to look like. I mean, that sounds obvious, but I think most people operate that they know they're going to be together. They just know that because uh, I decided I'm committed. And, and that's and commitment is great. And some people really need just more commitment because they're one foot in, one foot out. But what's also true is that I just don't know where my relationship's going to go. I don't know if it will be best for us to stay together. I just don't. And so I'm, I'm kind of just like discovering it and I'm, and I'm willing to come and say, let's have a conversation about our relationship and let's make it work or let's also acknowledge that it's possible that we may break up. And now when I say break up, I don't mean break up in like the country song fashion. I mean break up as in like stay intimately connected to this person and have them be a humongous part of my life have them have like a legit parking space in my heart, but not like, but, but maybe not relate to them as a romantic life partner. Dude, can I get a parking space in your heart? Dude, you got it, man. You got <laughs> it's it. so good. <laughs> talk, talk to like the male in me, right? It's like, oh, can I fit my Ferrari in there, Dave? <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, man. Well, it makes so. me, I want to, I want to go back to what you're saying. It makes me think of, um, uh, a talk that I heard with Dan Savage, who is saying that, you know, in our culture, we define a successful relationship through the metric of death till death mm -hmm. do us part. Death is the, is the symbol that your relationship has succeeded. If you stayed together and some, till somebody has died, no matter what's happened in the relationship, whether there was right. adultery, dishonesty, cheating, et cetera, et cetera, as well, you got past all that, but you're, you're, you stayed together and until you're dead and he's like right. oh, that's bullshit he's like a successful relationship is one where there's honesty integrity support and then after seven years together if you realize that you're going in different directions and you are still loving to each other and you decide hey it's no longer makes sense for us to be together why is that not considered a successful relationship and so when i yeah. heard that it's like oh man that, that's amazing now the practicality of applying that, of saying like, oh shit, but how do I, as you were saying, how do I walk away from the, where, you know, sexual partners or, or life partners, whatever that is, um, but still stay friends or deep 
deeply intimate connected. Mm-hmm. How, how would you navigate that? I, I think in my past when I've broken up, I've thought the best way to kind of process a breakup was to go cold turkey and just not talk to someone so I could grieve and just get over it. Yeah. What, what would your process be for dealing with, with the, this type of breakup? Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes it is useful to, to have some separation so you can really figure out who you are without that person. You know, so I think there's a healthy way to actually spend time apart when you first break up with someone, but it doesn't have to be out of anger. Um, I don't know. I guess polyamory has taught me a lot about how to break up with someone because in polyamory, um, there is no, I don't know, I mean, I'm making this up. There's no like rules or something, but um, it's, it's everything is a relationship transition. You know, and you're always in a relationship with people, whether it's the first date, it's a, it's a, you know, you're in relationship with, with lots of people. And so it's more about managing the multiple relationships than it is about having one. It's like a binary, like you were on as husband or off as nobody, uh-huh. you know? And so I guess for me, it's like, I don't, um, I mean, I have, I have, a, I have other women in my life that I'm, I'm not lovers with, but are just extremely close friends and, and I'm emotionally very intimate with them. Um, and, and I manage those relationships because part of what I do in open relating is just radical inclusion. So that means that if, that if I'm dating someone and, uh, or let's say like, let's say, you know, um, I want everybody to be close to, to, to everybody else. So I want Paolo to feel close to the people that I'm close with. I want it to be like an ecosystem. I want it to be like a family. And there's not like this girl on one side of town, this girl on the other side of town. Like, no, I, I need to make sure that those two women are have parking connected. spaces in your hearts. Well, they, they have parking spaces next to each other. And then they also hang out and go to like the yogurt shop together, yeah. you know, like, cause, because that's the relationship that's actually going to make my life the best is between those two women or a man and a woman or whoever I'm with. And so it's like, that's super important. So like if, like if I, let's say I, I transitioned my relationship with Paula and that we were best friends and business partners and, but we weren't romantic. If I met somebody else and they, and, and they didn't like the fact that I kept in touch or had a close relationship with my quote unquote ex-wife. I hate to say that word ex, but you know, whatever that would be, that would be a problem for me. Like they wouldn't fit into my system. This is not how I do business. Mm. Um, and it's the same thing with us in the relationship now that if we meet somebody who we want to play with or be romantic with or have relationships with, and they don't get that, that we're a package deal. Like we're like, they have to, they have to love both of us. They may not have to be romantic or sexual with both of us, but they have to like really love and be close to both of us. And they're not into that. It's probably not going to work out. It's, it's just not how it works. Yeah. So I mean, I think like kind of coming back to the, the, the question, like yeah, the separation is is important sometimes because we do need to like figure out who we are. Um, but I don't know. I just I don't even, I just don't even live in a world where like you're cutting off people. Um, I just think that's. Uh, I mean, it's. It's sad. I don't, I don't even know that I have actually a really good answer. Maybe I answered it a little bit, but like, I guess from this perspective, I just don't like. That's just very weird to me um, to to cut someone off because I'm with somebody else. Yeah. Um, because I'm I'm just I'm just wanting to add. It's just, it's just adding, 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 adding. There there doesn't there. It's not it's not an either or. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so much of life is just situational. Like we could pontificate all we want about theory and high level ideas. 
but sometimes you just need to look at each situation and just say, okay, well, what's going on here and, and what makes the most sense? So it is challenging to answer in a blanket statement. Um, yeah. And that's the power of, of oftentimes coaching is that you get direct feedback or a mirror for where you specifically are. Um, and and speaking, of, speaking of that, so how can people learn more about your work? I know that you're Dave publishes killer articles, uh, and I don't say that lightly, like really cool stuff every week, high-quality stuff. Yeah, it's really cool to see the collection of work that you've created over the last year specifically, because I know that you've been been full at it, and it's just really cool. So so where can people learn about that? And then maybe also tell us about Intimacy, uh, Intimacy Fest, if that's something that you have coming up in the near future. Yeah, um, Intimacy Fest is coming up on June 16th to the 19th, so depending on when this gets published. Um, but we'll do it every year, usually in June. Um, Intimacy Fest is, I guess for me, it's like, um, it's, it's a chance to really spoil someone in a way that if they come to this four-day event and spend four days on nothing but deep connection, which includes sexuality, but it's not about that. Um, it, it's like they can actually, I think, get on a real visceral experiential level what's possible in in relating to other humans and and just like that couple that I was telling you about that you know Madden got married in Tuscany the next year you know like you can't go back after you experience something like that just like if you go to Bali with with the Sensifi crew you know like you you get that there's you could live in a tribe of people who support you and who you want to be and your work and and and, and that you could do it in a beautiful location and then like that spoils you. I mean, really, like you can't go back. And so so we do that with Intimacy Fest and um, we found this beautiful land up like 90 minutes from San Diego and um, it's 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 just like paradise for four days. But it's also that we have people really like dig in, reveal themselves, you know, share the parts of themselves that they normally keep secret because um, I think just believe that through that is how we actually really get to bond with each other as humans. Um, so that's intimacy fest. And, and then, yeah, the, the blogging and, and the writing has been, it, it's funny. I mean, that's the, the, what the fuck should I do with my life was a question that I certainly have battled with, still battle with. And, um, at the end of 2014, actually while I was living in Bali and it's like November, December, um, I just kind of awoke to the realization that I, fucking love writing like i love blog writing and article writing in particular i don't even particularly love book writing i just i really love putting out one like really well written well thought out article per week that that brings something fresh to the world like i i don't i don't want to just say the same thing somebody else has already said it i'll that's great they said it they got that but if i can bring something fresh to the world then i want to do that and i've got a lot of ideas in my head so i thought okay once a week seems totally reasonable and so I decided to post once a week and, and I decided, you know, if I could make this my livelihood, I would be very happy. Um, and so what would it take to do that? Um, I did a little research and I saw, okay, well, if I spent a year, that probably isn't enough. But, but I know if I take five years to do this, something is probably going to happen. And it's probably going to be, um, you know, I'm going to have enough of an audience to have it be my livelihood. But, but the truth is I just, I would, I love doing this anyways for me. Um, so anyways, uh, it's a website called Buddhism, uh, and it's spelled B-O-O-D-A-I-S-M. And I write weekly there, and you know you can sign up for weekly emails and stuff like that. Um, and 
it's just, yeah, it's just the thing that I love the most. And uh, I, I really can honestly say that I've done a lot of cool stuff in my life, whether it's be a musician on big stages or be a Navy officer and all this kind of stuff. But like blogging is the thing that I'm most excited about. Like out of everything, out of everything, I just love it. So, Dude, do you ever realize if you take the vowels out of your website's uh, name that it's BDSM? No, I didn't. <laughs> That's awesome, though. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. And what would be the website if people want to learn more about Intimacy Fest? Because I'll make sure we get it published in time in case anyone really wants okay. to be cur- yeah, it's, courageous uh, intima- to Intimacy Fest. Intimacyfest.com. Intimacy Fest. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, dude, thank yeah. you so much for taking the time to chat today. And I'm That's stoked for you. And yeah, hope we get to hang soon. Awesome, man. Yeah, we'll see you in New York in uh, a month or a few weeks or so. Okay. July. Yeah. Dope. Soul Sibling, thank you so much for rocking with us. I appreciate you, and I appreciate that you're using your time and your energy toward making yourself a better person and the world a better place. So if you'd like to keep in touch, I'd love it if you subscribe to the podcast, and I'm excited to deepen our relationship, to get to know each other better over time, and to see how I can help you solve meaningful challenges and create your most fulfilled life. We've got a great community over here, and we run retreats all over the world. We've got people who connect with each other and support each other in living the most fulfilled life. And what I'd suggest for your next step is to grab a copy of The 12 Things Happy People Do Differently. It's a scientific-based approach to happiness, and there's a lot of great wisdom out there, but this in particular is researched back from some of the world's leading positive psychologists in the world, and it's super grounded, super practical, how you could do these 12 things that happy people do differently and rock it. The article's been shared over 100,000 times on Facebook and there's some magic in there. So in order to grab a copy of that, you can go to thankyoujacob.com. Sounds simple and it is. Thankyoujacob.com and uh, grab that immediately and I will keep in touch through personal emails that I send out a couple times a month and all that goodness. So for now, sending you lots of love. Keep it real. Follow your heart but bring your head. Peace.